So today's daf is daf Tesvav. In the Hilligam Mesechus Tubas. Alright, page 15 of Mesechus Tubas. We got up to daf Tesvav, but let's go back to the bottom of Yudal Ramabez and restart the sugyo. We're actually going to go back all the way up, eight lines from the bottom to the Mishnah. Alright? Because this is the new sugya, and the Mishnah is a story. Here we go. I'm Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Yaisi tells us the following. Maisa, there was a story between Naikis with a young girl. She went to get water from the well and she was violated and we don't know who violated her. So now what's the problem? The problem's like this. If she was violated by somebody who's forbidden to her, who's puzzle, so now for the rest of her life, she's not fit to marry a Kohen. However, if the person who violated her is a regular Yisrael, so this is a regular out of wedlock Intercourse, and she's going to remain mutter to a kohen. So we don't know who the guy is. All right, that's the case. Amar Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan, Amar Rabbi Yechanan Benuri, Rabbi Yechanan Benuri says, "Imrayv anshe ha'ir masiyin lekohuna." If most of the men in that city are kosher people, meaning they're fit to marry into kohuna, you can rely on that rove. You can rely on that majority. And this girl as well will still be fit to marry into Kahuna. She can still marry a Kohen. I, we don't know who was Ma'anesir, who violated her. The answer is it's fine. You follow majority. Now today's daf is going to, we're going to take us to the end of the first parak of Tubis. That's the bottom of Omid Beis. And today's daf is going to be all about majority. Now there's a lot of rules to Rive. There's a lot of rules. I just want, before we start today's daf, I want to mention the specific rule that we need for, for today's focus. And that is, first of all, in general, we have a state, we have a, uh, let's call them rules. In general, there's a rule which is, kol de parish, meruba parish. When something separated from a group, you say that it's separated from the majority of the group. So, if let's say you have 10 pieces of meat, nine pieces of meat are kosher, the 10th the piece is not. I'm not sure which one's kosher and which one's not. The halacha is, you could assume it's kosher. You can eat a piece of meat and it's kosher. Okay? Why is it going to be kosher? Because called the parish, meruba parish, a piece of meat left this group of 10 pieces of meat. You could assume it came from the majority. That's the, that's the law of rove. Fine. There's another rule, however. And this rule contrasts that rule. And ready for this? The rule is called Kol Kavua, anything which is established, Kemechza al Mechza Damya. It makes it like 50 50. So, for example, if I find the meat, whatever the story, however it happened, I find 10 pieces of meat, but the 10 pieces of meat are inside a store. Now, in this city, nine of the stores are kosher, and the tenth store is treif. I take meat, and I leave a store. I remove it from a store, and now I push it. I don't remember which store I got it from. Did I get it from the kosher store, or did I get it from the treif store? Whatever the circumstances are. The halacha now is, you cannot say, oh, nine stores in town are kosher, so I can eat my meat and rely on majority. No, you know why? Because since your decision is dependent on 
something which is kavua, something which is established. The tenth non-kosher store is established in town, so that makes it like it's 50-50. That's the rule. Okay, so this is fascinating. Usually we say something that called the parish may ruba parish. When something separates from a from a majority that you, you consider it part of the majority. However, if at the time of separation, it living inside that doubt is something is a is a uh, a transgression, something which is forbidden, that's established, it's kavua. You don't rely on rove. It becomes 50-50, you're not allowed to eat the meat. That's the rule. It's learned out from a pasuk. It's, it's a, a whole incredible sugya. By the way, just to mention, the laws of rove, where does it come from that you rely on majority in the Torah? The answer is from a bezdin. From a bezdin. The Torah tells us, achare rabim lahatos. According to the majority opinion of the rabbanim, of the dayanim, the judges on the bezdin, that's what we, that, that's what we lean towards. And all the halachas, that we have when it comes to Rove are going to stem from that. Period. That's the end of my introduction. Okay, so you understand? See, over here, Rebuch HaBenuri is relying on Rove. As long as most men in town are kosher, you could say she was violated by a kosher guy and she could still marry a Kohen. All right. Now, let's get into the Gemara. Who says you follow the majority and therefore she's still permitted to a Kohen? Whose opinion is he following? Now, in the yeshiva, we only knew of two opinions. What are the two opinions? Opinion number one is that of Rabbi Gamliel, who holds that even when you have rove puzzle, it's still kosher, right? Rabbi Gamliel says that. Um, as long as, even if most of the men in town are going to be puzzle, we're still going to be makshiher. We're still going to say that she is fit to a Kohen. Why? So let's remember, because Rabbi Gamliel previously taught us that as since until that moment she had a status, a chazaka, of being fit to a Kohen, any suffix is not going to change it. Even if, even if most of the city is not fit for a Kohen, but... Do you know that it was somebody not fit for a going? No. So she keeps her chazaka, she keeps her status. And according to Gamil, you're fine. Rove majority is not gonna is not gonna uh, hurt her in any way. Okay. And what about Rabbi Yeshua? E Rabbi Yeshua, and he followed the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, who says that she's kosher even without rove. I feel I'm sorry, that she's puzzled even without rove. Rabbi Yeshua was strict. So I feel nami puzzle. Even when most people are. Kusher, she should still be puzzle. Okay? So basically, the Gemara is asking a very simple question. In the yeshiva, we had a machlokas, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel, whether she keeps her chazaka or she follows rov. Whether she keeps her chazaka or not. Okay. Rabbi Yechabinuri, who is a Tana, granted, but he's not part of that all-time dispute. So says the Gemara, Neither opinion follows majority. It's a chazaka shaila. So who, which side of the coin is Rabbi Yochum Benuri stating that majority impacts anything? That's our shaila here. Okay? Where does rove play out? So here we go. Now we're going to get to today's daf and begin the sugi where we got up to. Okay? Amar So Rav Nachman said back to Rava, Hachi Amar Marav, this is what Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, top of today's daf. 
Hoya Maisa. The story of this young girl being violated took place in the Krainais of Tzipairi. Krainais of Tzipairi means the wagons. Okay? Now what's going on over here? So Rashi tells us a fascinating thing. And let's get into this. Rabbi Yeshua until now taught us that this woman is going to be unfit to marry a Kohen. What happened is like this. They had a, a market day in Tzipori when a lot of out-of-towners would come to Tzipori. Okay. Now, so what? So what happens is like this. Most of the people in Tzipori, Herzegain, listen closely, were kosher. What about the visitors? You ready for this? They were also mostly kosher. And since both the visitors and the residents of Tzipairi were mostly kosher, even Rabbi Yeshua will agree when you have two rows helping her out, saying that this was not a puzzle guy, Rabbi Yeshua will agree she can marry Cohen as long as you have Rove. Again, what was our question? Where does Rove come into play? According to Yeshua, she's not fit. Answers the Gemara, yes. According to Yeshua, Rove will play a role because she will become fit when you have majority of the town and majority of the travelers. Now, I want to say something. The Gemara soon will explain why two Roves help. But I want to remember, what was our introduction to the Sugya? Remember we had two contrasting things when it came to Rove? Number one is, in general... You say that when some that called the parish when something leaves Meruba parish it leaves from the majority. On the other hand, what did we say? Kol kavua damya. When you're in a set place, it's like 50-50, Don't follow rove. So I want I just want to make our minds think. It's going to help us understand this. Ready? Let's say most of the people of Tzipori were fit. And it wasn't, there was no out-of-towners. Most people in are fit. Somebody raped her. Can I ask you a question? If they raped her in the city, should you follow Rove? Or should you say, everybody is Kavua in that city, so it doesn't matter who the Rove is? That's why Rabbi Yeshua says you can't follow majority unless you also have a Rove of travelers that are not Kavua, that are not established there, and now you have a second rove coming in and helping her out. You understand why, why you know, how, how the, the, the traveling majority is coming in a way to, uh, to, to help this lady out. Says the Gemara, Uchd Ravami. And it's like Ravami, Dama Ravami. Ravami says, we, we repeated yesterday's daf, so we're starting there. Dama Ravami. Ravami says, second line on Tesvava Medalev. The only time we're going to say she's still fit to marry a Kohen is when you have a group of people who are kosher who are traveling through this, traveling through Tzipairi. And it's also following the opinion of Rabbi Yanai. If she has relations in the wagons, she's fit to Kahuna. To which the Gemara asks, why is she having relations in the wagons? Is she having relations in the wagon? What does that mean? As long as she was violated at the time when you had 
people traveling through the city who are majority fit, then she's still fit to marry a Kohen. Even Rabbi Shua will agree to that. However, listen to this. Let's say somebody from the city of Tzipari who is a majority kosher, they left the city. They left the city and they had relations with her. Not a traveler. Somebody from the city, Havlad Shtuki, that child is not going to be fit. That, it's not going to be fit for a Kayan. That daughter is going to be, uh, that daughter is going to be a Shtuki. Okay, why? Because you only have one rive, you don't have two rives. And Rabbi Shua is going to say, you need two rives in order for her to be fit. Now, let's get into uh, explaining this halacha. All right? Again, what are we saying here? Chavar, let's just take a step back from the, uh, really a boatload of information, the first few lines. Let's take a step back and get clarity into the, uh, a quick clarity into the Shaklavatarian. Again, today's daf is going to be all about majority. So here we go. Rabbi Echimanuri in our mission of the bottom of the says, story, woman's violated, uh, a young girl's violated. Okay? So as long as rive of the people in the, uh, in the town are kosher lakahuna, this young girl is still fit to marry a Kayin. We don't assume she's a puzzle, that the guy who violated her was puzzle, and therefore she's puzzle. We don't want to assume she's a Zaina. To which the Gemara asked very simply, in the two big opinions that we learned yesterday, Reb Gamliel and, and Rabbi Shua, nobody made it dependent on Raiv. So why is Rabbi Echebenuri making it dependent on majority? To which the Gemara answers, and this is the last step for what we need for right now, Rabbi Shua holds it is dependent on majority. Because even Rabbi Shua, who in general is going to be strict and says you don't rely on majority, even if Raiv are kosher, over here in this story, where first of all, most of the people in Sipari were kosher, and there was a day of travelers. And most of the travelers were also kosher. So you have two robes, two majorities. And in the case of two majorities, Yeshua will agree that she remains fit to marry into Kahuna. And that's why Raiv matters. Fine. Like this, that of Dimi. When he came to Bovel, he said in the name of Zairi, that Rabbi Hanina said, you follow majority of the people who are established in the city, but you don't follow the majority of the people who are passing through the city. Now, this seems to imply it. You know, it makes a difference where the relations happen. Says the Gemara, Klape Laya. Um, does this make any sense? Klape Laya, you just throwing this against the wall, right? Just, uh, what type, what type of approach is this? One group is naidi, moving along, and the other ones are in place. Meaning, remember, what, which raiv is stronger? When you're established or when you're traveling? Huh? When you're traveling, it's a stronger raiv. Why? Because when you're established, what's the rule? Kol kavua, like we start out today's year, kol kavua, damya. So the people in Sipairi that itself, even though they're raiv kosher, we don't care. Because the minority who are in kosher become mechzal mechzal. So which rove is important to us? The rove passing through town. Because they're not established and we can rely on that majority. Says the Gemara, why, you know, uh, uh, what's the logic over here to rely on majority of the people living as opposed to majority passing through? That's not helping us anything. It should be quite the opposite. Ella, rather, what do we mean? 
we follow Rive of the city as long as you follow Rive of the city as long as you have the travelers also being Rive Kosher. But if you just have majority of people in the city, that does not work. And also is not going to work following the majority of, merely the majority of the ones passing through. Okay? So you see from here, you need two rives. Both city, both travelers, my timer. What is the reason? Okay? What's the reason? In other words, what's the obvious question here to us? Let's pause for a minute. To say we don't rely on the people of the... To say we don't rely on the majority of the city. That we know. 50-50. They're Kavua. Okay? What about the travelers? Are they Kavua? No. So if Rova them are Kusher, shouldn't we just say... Kol de Parish, Meruba Parish. Any guy who went to violate her came from the majority... And she's kosher. Why do you need two roves? Ask the Gemara, rely on the one rove of the travelers. They're a good rove. They're not established. So let me just rely on them. So my timer, what's the reason I need two majorities? Let me just rely on the travelers. Says the Gemara, You know why? It's a separate decree. If we're just going to rely on majority of the travelers, people might, people might make a mistake and say, oh, so you always follow majority, and therefore you could always, you, you'd follow the majority in the city as well. So to remove that, the Rabbanan just made a, another decree, and they say that, um, that uh, wait until you have two rives in order that uh, people won't come to make a mistake. It says the Gemara, I don't understand. But even when most of the people in the city are kosher, what happened? So let's talk for a moment. People in the city are established there, right? That's the town they're from. Where did, where did the violation happen? That's the Gavar's question. Where's the location of the violation? We said a case where a, a young girl went to a well. She was violated. And Rabbi Yechavanuri said, since majority of the people are, are um, kosher, she remains kosher. So ask the Gemara, where did the violation happen? If whoever violated her went out to her, called the parish, Meruba parish, will say he left from the established place and we should still follow the majority. It's a good question. Because he's no longer in his established place. Gavaldik. She should still be fit for kahuna. Says the Gemara, so the case must be, where she went to one of, uh, to, to one of the men. Okay, wherever, in other words, they went back to his, uh, where, where he's established. So now he's established. That once we're in an established place, so um, it's Mechza Mechza Dami, Hence, bottom line is, says the Gemara, that um, even by Rav Ha'ir, we can't rely on Kol De Parish, Meruba Parish. And, and the Gemara is qualifying. It has to be where the relations um, happened in his location, therefore, were dependent on the other Rav. Okay. Ask the Gemara, 
We're now going to ask a general question. According to Rabbi Yoshua, who told us that in general we're not going to listen to the woman to tell us who the husband is. In general, we don't listen to the woman. Okay? And we're not going to follow Rive. But if you have two Rives, Rive of the city are kosher, and Rive of the travelers are kosher, oh, we'll say she's still fit to a kayin. Says the Gemara, me being on Trey Ruby. Where's this whole concept of using two rives? Who have heard of such a thing? Vahatanya. But we learned in the Brisa, Teisha Chanuya is famous, famous Brisa Chevra. This is a well known Brisa in Shas. Nine stores, Kulon Meichres Besar Shuta. All nine are selling kosher meat. The Achas Meichres Besar Nevela. One store selling non kosher meat. You bought meat from one of the ten stores and you don't know which store it came from. I don't know which store it came from. So what's the suffix? The store. Do you have a majority here? What's the rule? No majority. You know why? Because the tenth store is Kavua. The tenth store is Kavua. So it makes it back to 50-50. So Sveiko Usser, when you're in doubt about where the meat came from, since you have an established store in town, so it's going to be Usser. Ubenimtza, but let's say you find the meat out in the street. It's not, a, it's not a shayla about which store it came from. It's a general shayla on meat. I found meat, and they're um, outside of the store. It's, I don't have a shayla about within the store. This is the major lumbas over here. When the meat started in the store, that's where we say the store is kavua, is established, so it's 50-50. But when the whole shaila started outside of the kavua, away from anything established, you found a piece of meat on the street, one piece of meat, and you know nine stores in town are kosher, one store in town is not kosher. You can follow the majority. Why? Most stores in town are, uh, are kosher. So you see from here, one rive outside of a kavua, separate from kavua. If you have one rive, that's enough. So why is Rabbi Shua saying you need two rives? But if you're going to say, we're dealing with a case where the, the city is not locked off. And therefore, not only can you rely on this city, but you could even rely, you know, it's like today. Uh, Baruch Hashem, you know, we had over here in St. Louis, the, we had food boxes again. Yeah? Okay. For kids, uh, there, there are summer meals, whatever it was. They, they got it again, uh, I think, for the next four weeks or so, till the end of the summer. So, where, where's that coming from? It's coming from Chicago. Some person in Chicago, right? The, the, some uh, distributor, caterer in Chicago. Now, they don't only distribute to us, they distribute to multiple places. So if you find food, not only do you have the rive in, in the city, if mostly is kosher, you could say, listen, the gates of the city aren't locked. People travel through, they bring food through, and therefore you can also rely on the majority of the surrounding area, and maybe that's why we're lenient, because we do have two rives. That can't be the case either. says, Even if there's no people passing through, and you still have one rive, you could still be lenient. So you see that one rive is enough. So we're back to our question. Why is Rabbi Yeshua saying you need two rives? First of all, the rive of the people located in Sipairi, and also the travelers. Why do I need both to, to allow her to a coin? Answers the Gemara, bottom line. You ready for this? You're right. 
In general, we would rely on one wife. So why should we be sure of being strict? Maila asu biyuchsin. Maila asu biyuchsin means when it comes to establishing lineage, we're going to be a little more. We're, we're going to be a lot more careful. Okay. So specifically, when we're unsure whether somebody's ma- allowed to marry a kayan, that's where we say you need two wives. But in general, Rabbi Shu will agree that one, and everybody will agree that one wife would suffice. Beautiful. Okay. Now, let's, I just want to, to pause for a moment, because we're up to the word gufa. Gufa means a piece of a previously quoted statement. Okay? So we're going to go back now, and really, this is going to be a continuous sugya, but all the information that we need as foundation for the rest of the daf we have now. The rules of Rive. The fact that Rav doesn't apply when things are kavua, when something came from something established, the stringency of in general relying on a Rav, but not when it comes to Yichus, okay? All these rules are just going to play out now in, uh, in various fashions for, uh, you know, for the rest of our daf, and we're going to quote various prices to try to prove who the halacha is like, all right? So here we go. Kufa, a piece of a previously quoted statement, Amar Zer Zer says, Anything that's established loses the rife and it makes it 50-50. And this 50-50, by the way, works both to be strict and it also works to be lenient. Sometimes changing a majority of something forbidden will make, be a leniency. What happens if you have 90% forbidden and 10% permitted? something kosher, 10%, and all of a sudden you're lifting it up to a 50-50 status, that may very well play out in a very favorable way for people for a leniency. If there's other things that can, be, that, that can join in, and the Gemara will explain why, okay? So something that's kavua is not only going to be used as a 50-50 to be strict, we're also going to rely on that principle to be lenient. How does Reb know that kol kavua k'mechza al-mechza applies both l'chumra and l'kula. Here we go. The case of the nine stores, kulon ma'ichres b'shar shchuta. Nine stores sell kosher mi'bachas b'ram nevela. One store sells treif mi'v'lagach ma'achas mem. You buy from one of the stores. I don't remember which store it was. Sveikai aser. We said it's going to be aser. Why? Because at the time that you bought it, it's 50-50. The, the store was already established. But what happens when you find the meat? And over there you're going to follow Raiv. Now let me ask you a question. When we, when we say kol kavua, is that being strict on us or is that being lenient on us? Strict. Because there was only one store that's straight. So the, if that's your source, Rav Zera, of kol kavua, you only find to be machmir. Nine kosher stores, one straight store. We're saying you cannot rely on the majority. So you see that kol kavua is serving to be strict. Hasam l'chumra. So where are you going to find me a brisa? Where or find me a case where kavua is actually going to lead to a leniency? Here's the case. Ready? The case where there's a leniency is as follows: If you have nine frogs and one sheretz, okay. Now a sheretz we know a dead rodent in the tire, one of the shmaina shrotzim, one of the eight shrotzim in the tire. If it touches a person, it gives off tumma. A frog, if it's dead, does it give off tumma? Anybody who's had a biology class in high school, right? You're allowed to do biology class in high school on a frog. You're allowed to handle a frog, right? No problem. 
It's not going to give off. Uh, it's not going to give off tumas. If you have nine frogs and one sheretz, now I touched. I touched something. I don't know. Did I touch the sheretz? Did I touch a frog? I don't know. Over there, we're going to say even though nine out of ten do not give off tuma, still it's going to be tummy. So you see, kol kavua kemachza It must be because we look at it like it's fifty-fifty. Now, is that being strict or lenient? In the case of the frogs and the sherets, and I say your tummy, are we being strict? Yeah. So there as well, hasam nami That's also a case of chumra. So the Gemara is going to go through all these cases. The Gemara says, you know, so give me a case where we're going to say. That's something that's established, makes 50-50 to a leniency. Prove it, Rav Zera. Ella, rather, I'll give you another attempt. Metisha Shrutzim, the case of nine dead rodents that do give off impurity. And there's one frog. One frog was killed during Tzvardeya, yeah? And he's mixed in with the nine Shrutzim. He touched something. I don't know. Did I touch the frog? Did I touch the sherets? So here we go. Ready for this? Before I read the halacha, let's explain what we're about to say. There's a rule. When it comes to impurity, if you're in doubt whether you became impure or touched something impure, if you're in a rishus hayachid, in a private domain, the halacha is you need to be strict. If you're in a public domain, you're lenient. So here we go. Rishus hayachid, if you're in doubt, Svegaitame. So it's in a private domain. You gotta be you gotta assume your tummy. Bishusarabim Svekaitar. Even though nine shrutzim and one frog, if you touched it in a public domain, you're going to remain pure. Now listen to this. You can only say that if you view the frog as fifty fifty to the shrutzim. Because if the frog is 50-50 to the shrutzim, because it's kavua, so now it's 50-50, I have a clear suffix. So if it's in a public domain, I'm off the hook. That's where you have a case where Rev Zero would be correct that kol kavua kemechza almechza damya lakula. That if it's established, we view it 50-50, even to be lenient. Fascinating. It is. Bottom line, says the Gemara. Bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. Hever, ready? If you have majority, like we said, how do we start out our introduction to today's daf? Usually you follow majority. Called the parash meruba par. Something separates, it separate. But if it's kavua, it's kemechza mechza. If it's established, 50-50. This rule holds true, both to bring a, a stringency, which is more common, or a leniency. For example, tuma. I view it as 50-50, so now it's a suffix in a public domain. A suffix is okay. Beautiful. And we're sticking with this. But now the Gemara says, okay, now that we know that's the halacha, what's the source? Where do you get it from? Okay. So here we go. Umidairaisa minala. How do we know biblically that this is true? Answers the Gemara, Amar Kra, Shtetan Pasuk. For Arav Lai, Vikam Olav. Okay. If you have 
somebody who you know does not like somebody else. Not only doesn't like him, he hates him. Right? If somebody kills someone else unintentionally, he goes to a near miklet, but not when they are known to hate each other. So if you have a case where the killer is known to hate the victim, the love, and he rises up on him, which means, in order to be chayav misa, you need to have intent to kill that person. As opposed to, ready? A guy picks up a gun, he points, to, and he's like, he points a gun at somebody, and he's like, he says, uh, Yanko, I'm gonna kill you. And he kills uh, Chaim, who's next to Yanko. Did he purposely shoot the gun? Yeah. Was he trying to kill? Yeah. Did he want to kill Chaim? No. He was trying to kill Yanko. Says the Torah, You're Chay of Misa when you intended for your victim. If you killed somebody else, even though you purposefully committed the act of shooting a gun, but you didn't intend for that person to be the victim, you're not Chay of Misa. Fine. But the Rabbanon say, no, that's not true. Amri, they say, in the name of Yeshiva Rabbiyana, that Pasuk is coming to exclude somebody who throws a, a, a stone into a group of people. You don't even know uh, who's going to be in, uh, in this group. It might be Yidin, it might be uh, Kananim. He ends up uh, killing a Yid. Over there we say it's not considered uh, a chiyav misa. But if let's say you tried killing one yid and instead you killed another yid, it's going to have the same halacha. That's, what the, that's how the Rabbanon argue. Says the Gemara, hechi dami. What's, what's the case of this conversation? If you're going to say we had a group of nine kananim and there was one yid, and what are you going to say? That you're not chayav misa because there was nine kananim and one yid. Why don't we say that the reason why you're not chayav misa is because you follow Raif and Raif kananim? Raif kananim. And if you kill a kanani, you're not going to be chayav misa. Okay. So do I need do I need the pasuk of of the kamalav that he got up and purposely killed? Do I need that to be the case where you exclude somebody who who dropped a rock into nine kananim and one yid? No, I know you're okay. I, not you're okay, but I know you're not going to be chay of Misa. Inami, or you could say, palgo palga. Maybe you threw into a group where you had 20 Yidin and 20 Kananim. And that's where we say, you're, uh, you're not chay of Misa. Do I need a Pasuk to tell me you're not chay of Misa? Suffolk nefashis lahakil. Whenever you're in doubt about whether somebody's obligated in the death penalty, the halacha is, you're lenient. So again, I don't need a pasuk to tell me he's not chayav misa. So what's the case where you have a group of Kananim and Yisraelim, you, you dropped a rock and you didn't know who would kill, it ended up killing a Yid, you're going to be excluded from Misa because of this pasuk. What's the case? Either way, I know that you're, uh, either way, I know you're putter from Misa. Okay? Answers the Gemara. Like Tzricha, I'll give you the case. Listen to this. You have a group of ten people. Nine Jews, one Kanani. And the, however, what's unique about the Kanani is it was in his backyard. So you have a group of Yidin, 
getting together uh, with a politician, a non-Jewish politician to get the vote out for the Jewish community, and they're all in his established place. He's Kavua, the Havale Kanani Kavua, and anything that's Kavua is going to be Mechza al Mechza. So what do we say? We treat it like Mechza al Mechza, we treat it like, uh, we treat it like 50-50. Hence, I need the Pasuk to tell me that uh, you're excluded from Misa even in such a case. Imar we learned Rav Chia Barashi Amar Rav Chia Rashi's name of Rav Lach Rav Yaisi the Alachas like Rav Yaisi that what if Rav of the people of Tzipiri are Kasher LeKahuna she's Kasher LeKahuna the Rav Chana Barav Rav Arasha Haisa you should know that Psak was a Harasha it was a Rasha it was a, a very difficult time and we needed to, uh, we needed to be lenient the Rav Chana Barav Amarav Arasha Haisa okay. Mosif, Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya says, When it comes to Yichas, in general, um, you don't need two rives. Now, remember beforehand, we said you need two rives because we're going to make added uh, you know, stringencies on Yichas. But according to the way that Rav's explaining now, one rive is going to be enough. So he says, really? You don't need two majorities when it comes uh, when it comes but we learned in a Mishnah top of Amud Beis you find a baby inside of a stroller you don't know if the baby is Jewish or not if most of the people in the city are not Jewish you have to assume the kid's not Jewish and if most people in the city are Yidin, then you could assume this child is a Yid. What if it's fitty fitty? Yisrael, we treat him like a Yid. Okay? We'll see soon why. But if it's 50 50, treat him like a Yid. Okay? This is only, you know what he's treating like a Yid? as far as your obligation to support this child. To give him life. To put him into a Jewish orphanage. And make sure this kid's got clothing and food and things of that sort. It's the, it's the Jewish community's obligation to sustain that. But to say that but as far as Yichas is concerned, oh, you're a regular Jew, go marry your regular Jew. Like, nothing needs to be done. No, we don't say that. Shmuel Amar, and Shmuel says, What does it mean that we treat this kid like a yid? You're Bechal Shabbos to save his life. Bottom line is, bottom line is, that why is it that in one place, Rav says that a rave is enough when it comes to Yichus, but... In the other case, he says, Raiv is not enough. Right? In the other case, he says, listen, this girl could marry a Kayan. no problem. And over here, he's saying, no. Raiv's not enough. So Gemara says, hadam marav. So we, we forgot this, that Raviyu says the name of Rav. Yeah? It says, you remember the story? Let's go back to the top of today's daf. And we're dealing with the Krainis of Tzipari. So we didn't know who violated the, the, the young lady. And we said, as long as you have Rav of the people in Sipari, 
and Raiv of the people traveling through, that's where we're going to be lenient. But maybe in a Hanami. If you only have one Raiv, that's not enough to establish the Yichus. Beautiful. Who says that the leniency was just a psaka rasha? It was a unique set of circumstances because it was necessary. Kashiaha. Then what's pshat in Rav's uh, in, in Rav's reasoning? Right again, because if you're going to say the only reason why this woman's allowed to marry a kain, this young lady after she was violated, can marry a kain is because of a rasha. So why over here when you have a majority? What was the halacha when right of the people are Yisraelim? And this child, we don't know where he comes from. You're obligated to support him. Why? It's just a simple majority. Why are you relying on the simple majority? We don't rely on simple majorities unless it's a Hirah Shah, I thought. So Gemara says, Manda Masniha, Le Masniha. You're right. The one who says that you only have to support him must hold that in the other case, the reason is not because of Hirah Shah. The reason is because of the, the Khumrah of the Kaihanim. You're right. Okay, in other words, each each opinion has to you know has to be consistent and uh, and play out in its own fashion. Beautiful, Gufa. Again, a piece of a previously quoted statement: Matzabatinuk Mushlach. If you find a child who was Mushlach sent away, literally, okay, you, you find a stroller with a baby inside. Let's explain why. Does Shmuel hold that you're allowed to be Mechal Shabbos for this kid? When it comes to Pikuach Nefesh, we do not follow Rav, meaning, in general, we make sure to save somebody's life, even when Rav is otherwise. If you ever have the slightest question, about saving somebody's life. What's the halacha? You save the life. That's the Hilcha Shabbos. Whether or not you have, uh, do you start saying, uh, you know, uh, let me see your Jewish birth certificate? No. If you have the, if you have the slightest uh, reason to save this person, you're obligated to do so. Rather, what was Shmuel going on is going on the beginning of the Mishnah, which says, if most of the people in the city are not Jewish, then you have to assume the baby inside the stroller is a not Jewish child. And on that, Amar Shmuel, However, you should know, if this child is ever in life's danger on a Shabbos, you have to save this child's life. Because even though in general, we're going to say, listen, Rav are not Jewish, so that we're going to assume, majority says the kid's not Jewish. He says, yeah. But you know, when it comes to saving lives, you don't follow majority. And therefore, there's an obligation to Michal Shabbos save this kid's life. So what does it mean that if majority of the city is not Jewish, you consider the kid to be not Jewish? If you're going to be Michal Shabbos, save this kid's life. What do you mean he's not Jewish? You can even feed him food that's not kosher. So you find this kid, you have 60% of the people in the town are not Jewish, 40% are, you could feed this kid pork. No problem. Okay? Says the Gemara, Imrav Yisrael Lamai Hochazah, if if most of the people in the city are Yisraelim, so we consider him to be Yisrael, as far as which halacha, we already know he could be Mechal Shabbos for him. If he loses something, you're obligated 
uh, you're obligated to return it. Now, these are just examples of daily living, of things that go on that you're obligated to, how you're obligated to handle this person within your sight. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean literally only these things. Like the only thing you could do is feed this kid not kosher. No, it means you can give this kid a not kosher, a, a, a non-Jewish lifestyle because rave people aren't Jewish. And when somebody is Jewish, you give them a Jewish lifestyle. Mechzal mechzi Yisrael. He said if it's 50-50, you assume the kid's Jewish. L'may hochesel. Amresh lakish lini zakin. As far as the halachas of damaging. We know there's different halachas, but Bakama Besham will get there. Right? Different halachas in, in damaging. If a yid damages a guy, a guy damages a yid. So when it comes to the laws of damaging, you consider the obligation to pay him his damages and the obligation for him to pay other damages. Um, you, you treat him like a, a Jew. Hey, Chidami, what's the case? If you're going to say that, let's say you have a yid whose ox gored the ox of this suffolk child, okay? Why doesn't the owner say, listen, you were an abandoned kid, you were a lost kid. The community was 50 50. I see Raya the Israel at the Prove to me you're Jewish and then I'll pay you. If you want me to pay you, go prove it. Why would I obligate a regular Yisrael to pay this kid when he's a total Suffolk guy? Why would I obligate a Jewish payment? Until you prove to me you're Jewish, I don't got to pay you. Mr. Gemara says you're right. Rather, what's the case? Where when it's 50-50, we consider this kid Jewish, where his ox gores the ox of a yid. Okay. Palga mishalim, the idach palga, so palga mishalim, so half, like a regular short time. If, if his ox gores somebody else's animal, so he's going to have to pay chatzinezek, He's going to have to pay half the damages, which is the law of somebody's animal which damages un- until it becomes a, uh, something out of habit. The idach paga, and as far as paying the other half, see, if it's a non-Jew whose ox scores, they have to pay completely. There's no rules of tam and mor. But a yid, we have the rule. So what is about the other half? Other half, Omar Lay, this grown-up kid who's, he, who doesn't know if he's Jewish, he can say to the Jews whose ox just got damaged, he can say, listen, I see Raya de Lav Yisrael Anan, Lechan. You prove to me I'm not a Jew, and I'll pay you. I'm assuming I'm a Jew. I have 50-50. Yeah, 50-50. So I paid you half like any Jew. What about the other half? Prove to me I'm not Jewish, and I'll pay you. Otherwise, I don't got to pay you. I might see over eye on you. Prove to me I owe it. I'm the one holding the purse strings. Until you prove it, I don't got to pay. That's the nafkamina. Hadron Allah basula nisseis. Hadron Allah basula nisseis. Hadron Allah basula nisseis. Rabbi Shakrata, we must have everybody who finished the first parak of the Heligam Mesechus Chubas. Let's quickly just start the second parak. Uh, we're already familiar with many of, these, uh, many of these concepts. We'll wrap it up and measure them tomorrow when we begin the daf. 
We will uh, restart the mission and give a nice uh, introduction to this parak. But here we go. A woman who's divorced or a widow. And she says that even though I was divorced or widowed, when, I w- when we married, I was a basula. He says, I, you know, um, when I married you, you're already an almana. And therefore, you only get a mana. Remember, that's where the word almana comes from. You only get uh, a, a hundred mana ksuba. And uh, I'm sorry, hundreds of ksuba. And yesh edem sheyatsa behimuna v'raya prua. If there's witnesses who say that she used to walk outside like a regular single girl, she didn't, uh, you know, she she didn't dress like a married woman. Ksuvasim Then she has a chazaka of being a regular single besula, and he's going to have to give her two hundred. Rabbi Yechem Brekaimer Avchiluk Kolya Raya. That um, everything, just an expression of, if you want money, you're going to have to prove everything. You, have to, you, have, you need a real proof. agrees. When somebody says to his friend, you know, this field used to belong to your father. And I, I bought it from him. Oh, you know, this field, he comes and says, I love your field. He says, you know, it used to be your father's. He sold it to me. Shehu Neman, he's trusted to say that. You know why? The son never knew that there was even, there was even his then. Yeah, prove to me my father sold it to you. What do you mean prove to me? Huh? You didn't know about it until I opened my mouth. But if there's witnesses that originally belonged to the father, then the son could say, oh really, you, you, you bought it? Oh, okay. Very nice. Can you show me the deed? Show me where it was handed over? Then, he is not going to be believed. This gets into the concept and the topic of Pesha Osar, Pesha Hitir, when somebody has an additional element of trustworthiness, when, not, you know, if they're the ones who are causing the issue, then you're really going to remain consistent with them along the way. Besham, tomorrow, we'll restart the parak, give a nice introduction. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Aguten Erev Shabbos. See everybody tomorrow at 12.15 in Mertzisham.